right. Well, it's October 4th, which means two things for me. Uh, first of all, it's World Communion Sunday, so you, hopefully you guys have all got your juice and your bread, if you can call it that, right? Juice and bread, okay, so we're going to have that later. It's World Communion Sunday, but the first Sunday of October also means that Christmas is right around the corner, okay? <laughs> you guys will learn very quickly, Christmas is my thing, okay? I've got, like, Christmas suits. Oh, yeah, you're going to love it, all right? It's going to be fun. All right, so Christmas is right around the corner, uh, but I've got my Christmas box, and I've got cookies. We'll get to those in a minute. But the reason I have my Christmas box this morning uh, is because we're asking the question, what does it look like to follow Jesus? And so as I thought about this question, uh, I thought of my box, right? Because uh, I'm going to refer to this this morning as my theology box, okay? Everybody say theology. theology. Theology, all right? So theology is what we believe about God, right? Because ultimately, what we do comes out of what we believe, all right? Uh, in fact, the scripture says that even the things that we speak, when we open our mouths, it comes out of the overflow of our hearts. Okay, so, so what's within us comes out in our words and in our actions. So this is my theology box. This is where I put all the things that I believe about Jesus. Okay, now, for many of us, our Jesus journey started with two truths, which are my two cookies. Okay, so the first cookie, and they're cookies because they're really cool things. They're things that we really, really like just like I really like cookies, and apparently my wife really likes Funfetti pancakes. So the first thing, when we come to know Jesus, for most of us, the first thing is usually, if I know Jesus, I don't have to go to hell, right? I get to avoid the bad stuff. But the second cookie is the flip side of that, which is not only do I not have to go to the bad stuff, I get to go to heaven, right? Those are the two cookies. So we start our faith journey with those two cookies, now, the problem is, too often, we start with those two cookies, and that's where it ends, right? All of my theology fits neatly in my little box, right? Because this is everything I know and believe about God. I believe that God loves me, and he wants what's best for me, and he has saved me from hell so I can go to heaven, right? He's given us eternal life. The problem is, that's where it usually stops, right? That's enough. I believe that. That's good. The thing is, the gospel is a lot deeper than our little bitty box, right? There's a lot of stuff in the gospels that doesn't fit in here. In fact, when Jesus teaches, people were made uncomfortable, <laughs> okay? Especially people who were religious. Because when Jesus spoke, it didn't fit in their little theology box. And this happens to each one of us. We have things in our lives that do not fit in our box. We have things that do not fit in our box, right? This is clearly not going to fit in my box. But for us, when it comes to our theology, it's things like, well, where is God when my family member dies prematurely? What do we know about that? That doesn't fit in my God loves us box. What do I do when the world is full of evil? That doesn't fit in my box. So the problem is, for most of us, the problem is we have a choice, and there's really three things we can do in this situation when something doesn't fit in our box. Now, the first choice is the choice that Thomas Jefferson chose. 
Because Jefferson looked at the Gospels and he said, a lot of this doesn't make sense. A lot of this does not fit what I know to be scientifically true. So what do I do with it? Well, what Jefferson did was he took an actual literal razor and he cut out the pieces of the Bible that were supernatural and he taped everything that was left together to make a new gospel that had no miraculous in it at all. Which naturally means that the resurrection was gone, right? Like the key part of what we believe is gone. So we can do like Jefferson and we can make our truth... Uh, We can make the truth fit our box, right? Now my balloon fits just fine. But it requires me to do away with the truth that didn't fit in the first place. And what we end up with is nothing, right? This is pointless. <laughs> so option number one is that we can, we can take what we have and we, we can make it fit our box, now, usually what that means is we're distorting the things that we believe. We're distorting the truth. We're distorting the gospel. The second thing that can happen is that the truth is simply too heavy to do anything else with. It's impossible to get around it. Right? It's impossible. I can't pop my bowling ball. <laughs> So what happens is the truth, the heaviness of our lives and the experiences that we have, we try to fit it in our box of faith and our box is destroyed. We walk away from faith because there are things that we can't understand. There are things that don't fit in what we thought God was. So that's option number two. But option number three is the option that I'm offering each of you this morning. Because obviously neither of those is really ideal. We don't want to have to distort the truth to fit our tiny idea of what God is, but we also really want our box still, right? We still want to know God. We still want the truth. We still want to be followers of Jesus. So how do we do that with things that are too big for our theology box? I propose a third solution. The answer is really simple if you think about it. Get a bigger box. Right? If what I know of God only fits in this box, and anything that I find after that doesn't fit in the box, it means my box is too small. It doesn't mean that I need to fit the truth into my box. It doesn't mean that I should let the truth destroy what I know of of Jesus. It means I need a bigger box to house Jesus in. This box, thanks to moving, I have this great big box. In fact, let's see if I can, I can fit in it right? Man, you lose your mobility quite quickly, don't you? So, so we get a bigger box, right? Because what I know of God now, my balloon fits in here, my bowling ball fits in here, and guess what? My cookies are still nice and neat in my box, right? But yet, I have given myself space to absorb the experiences of life, to absorb the new truths that come in. This is what happens when we talk about following Jesus. What we're talking about... I made it. What we're talking about is expanding our box. Because for many of us, we started this journey with those two cookies, 
right? The idea that God loves us and God wants to spend eternal, eternity with us, that we get eternal life when we follow Jesus. And those cookies, we grasp on for dear life to those cookies in those moments in our lives which are difficult. Because nobody has ever taught us that there's this whole depth of God to explore. That if we're being honest, the size of box we need for God is too big for the planet. Because God in, in Christ is continually unveiling stuff to us, continually drawing us into the deeper waters of faith. But the church has been perfectly content to live with its two cookies. Right? The idea that God loves us and that's it. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? Because last I read the Gospels, following Jesus, first of all, has nothing to do with cookies. I was very disappointed. <laughs> but the Gospels draw us into something much, much more than simply eternal life. Because we have to start with this. We start with this. Our idea of what eternal life is, is skewed. Right? Our idea of eternal life is that when this current life is done, then my eternal life gets to start. But when Jesus taught about life, he was teaching it right now. Right? Eternal life does not start when you die. Eternal life starts the moment, the second that you have given your life to Jesus. Eternal life is what we're living right now. Do we get that? Right? So eternal life is what we're living right now. In fact, Jesus, he words it in John chapter 1, the way he phrased it to, to Nathaniel, because Nathaniel is like blown away because Jesus saw him before he saw Jesus. Right? And so Jesus looks at Nathaniel and he says, and this is the Chad version, right? He says, look, that's nothing. <laughs> but then what he says is, he says, you are going to see heaven opened up. Right? You're going to see heaven opened up, and he says, angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In other words, Jesus is going to be this bridge between here on earth and in heaven. And when we follow Jesus, we're going to see little glimpses, little bits of heaven as we follow him. Does that make sense? Right? So, so this, this, this eternal life, it starts right now. It's not that we die and then we go to heaven. We get little bits of it right here and right now. And we see it all the time because we have these miraculous things that happen, right? And, and I like to talk about, I share stories all the time about every service you ever go to in Africa, they're praying for the sick and people are getting healed, right? And then I went to Cuba last January, and in Cuba, the blind were get, getting sight, like literally in front of my face, okay? So I talk about those stories from overseas, and I hear a lot of people say, well, why isn't that happening here, <laughs> right? Why aren't we seeing that here? And I go kind of back and forth between two responses on this. One, because we're not actually following Jesus. We're just doing lip service to it. But second of all, it is happening here. Right? There were, there were, there were worship services and prayer services going on in downtown last week where a guy walked out of his wheelchair. Last week in Goshen, Indiana. Okay? Not, not in Africa, not in Cuba, in Goshen. So these little glimpses of heaven, they are happening. And they're happening for the people who follow Jesus. Because, I don't know if you know this, Jesus kind of leaves a trail wherever he goes, right? 
every city that Jesus would go to, right? He would, he would come into a city, and they're like, Jesus is here. I have a need. I heard Jesus can meet it, so I'm going to go find Jesus. <laughs> and in every city, it says people would like swarm to, get, to have Jesus lay hands on them. They'd swarm. And when he would leave, right? We don't, we don't talk about that in the Gospels. It just says, well, Jesus went to the next place, and it focuses on that place. How impacted do you think that community was when Jesus left? Right? And then, and then you have the followers of Jesus, who in Acts chapter 2, which is our scripture for today, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, here's how it describes the early church. And you've probably heard this before. It says, They devoted themselves, being the, the apostles, the disciples, the people who were following Jesus, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. This is the early church. Right? I'm not sure there's ever been a more beautiful depiction of what it looks like to follow Jesus together. Right? He says, he says they devoted themselves to the teaching, right? to the word. They devoted themselves to fellowship, to being together, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. Right? They did life together. They did life together. And they followed Jesus. Right? Because this is what Jesus did. He would come in and he would sit with people and he would eat with people and he would listen to their stories. And he would spend time pouring into them. He'd pray for them. Right? This is the things that Jesus did. And so, I wanted to ask this question this week. What does it look like to follow Jesus? Because when I look around at the church and I look around at the state of where things are, it doesn't seem like people are following Jesus. You know, the latest statistics I've seen are that 65% of Americans will check on a survey, they'll check the box that says, I'm a Christian. Right? 65%. But the same survey found that 2.4% of people are in church on a Sunday. Two. That's a big gap. And it's part of the reason why I have struggled with the term Christian. <laughs> right? When, when, that, when that term started, Christian... It was given to the, to, the, to the followers of Jesus because they looked like Jesus. <laughs> and notice, it was given to them. They didn't take it upon themselves to call themselves Christians. And so what we find is that we have a lot of people who say, I'm a Christian, but this is it. <laughs> this, this is the idea of Jesus that they have, right? The, I have believed, so I'm going to go to heaven. And they're missing all of this. Everything that God offers, right? The swimming, the swimming pool size box that God is. That we get to go and enjoy for all of our lives, right? Because at the end of the day, what's the point in saying, I'm a Christian? What's the point in saying, I believe in Jesus, if you're not actually going to follow him? Because when you read the Gospels, right? You read John chapter 1. I just, I just started through John this week. Right? In John chapter 1, in a matter of two days, Jesus had four followers, like that. Boom, boom. 
And they, when he calls to them, right, when they come, he doesn't say, Philip, come and believe in me. Right? That's not what it says, does it? What does it say? Come and follow me. Right? Follow Jesus. Come and follow me. That means that he's not just calling you and I to say the right prayer or to be in the right place on Sunday mornings. He's calling each of us to follow him. Which means that the prayer, that our, our salvation prayer about getting people saved, right? That's our big goal, get people saved. That prayer is step one. But how often do we stop at step one? When Jesus has a whole marathon he's inviting us into, this whole life that is rich and full that he invites us into, that life is the life people want. Right? I hear a lot of people complain because the, the churches are empty and the churches are closing, right? And it's because this is all we're giving people, right? I don't know about you. I wish I could live my whole life just eating cookies. I really do, right? But every once in a while, I need something a little better for me, right? I need something a little more. I need a good hamburger, right? Something hearty. Something that's going to leave me full, Right? This doesn't leave people full. And so it isn't the church they've turned away from. It isn't church. It's, it's the idea that we're not actually following Jesus. What people don't want is faith that stops at the door. The faith that stops at step one. I've never met a person in my life who didn't want a full and rich relationship with God. They may not know it yet, but once you jump in, <laughs> All bets are off. So what I'm trying to invite you into this morning, when I ask this question, what does it look like to follow Jesus? What I'm really asking, I'm asking you to take the next step. Because Jesus hasn't called you to pray the right prayer or to be in the right place at the right time. Jesus has called you to follow him. That means the things that we do should be the things that Jesus would do. The places that we go should be the place that Jesus would go. The words that we speak should be things that Jesus would speak. Right? Our lives should look like Jesus. When we leave a place, people should be like, huh, that person must follow Jesus. Right? It should be obvious to everyone around us, and it is when we follow Jesus. And we all know people in our lives that we can, we're thinking of them right now. Oh, man, such and such, they follow Jesus. <laughs> because we can tell there's something about them. Right? And Jesus, this is what he told his disciples. He said, you are going to do the things that I do. Right? You're going to live the life I lived. In fact, he told some of them, you're going to die the death that I die. So, so sure, we offer Jesus loves us and he gives us eternal life, right? But what I need you to know this morning is that there is so much more. There is so much more to the gospel than just step one. If we would just dive in. The disciples did it, right? This picture of the church where they're devoted to one another. Anytime somebody had need, they'd sell some property so they could meet their needs, Right? They pray together and fellowship together and eat together. And the best part of it all, in the end of verse 47, it says this. 
And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Daily. Right? You know how many churches I've been in that would love to just have like one person getting saved a year? Yet alone adding every single day. Why? Why, why were people drawn to this? Why was the Lord blessing this? Because they were following Jesus. Too many of us don't know what it looks like to follow Jesus because it hasn't been modeled for us or at least not in a long time and nobody is expecting us to do it, right? If we're being honest, the church really just expects us to show up on Sundays, right? That's, that's the expectation. The thing is, though, all right, how many of you guys, and I'm going to ask this question, how many of you have, have ever... Uh, how many of you have been brought in as official like members? Like you did the vows and that whole bit. Anybody? A few people? Yeah. So, so the Methodist Church has these vows, right? When you become a member, and they, they have you commit to things. And so it usually starts off with like, do you renounce the powers of wickedness and evil, right? It's kind of wordy, if I'm being honest, right? But in other words, do you renounce the powers of evil? Do you accept Jesus as your Savior, right? But at the end of this, there's this very specific line that I think of, and it says this. Will you commit to be an active part of your local United Methodist Church by your, and then it lists five things, right? It lists five things that you are expected to do as a part of your local church, all right? It's prayer, presence, in other words, be here, right? Gifts, giving, service, and then the one they added about 10 years ago, witness, Right? So if you remember longer than 10 years, you haven't ever committed to that one, but we can, we can readdress that. Okay, so, so you commit as a member of the church and as, as a part of the body of Christ to those five things. The thing is, though, you stand up here and they're like, do you commit to those? And you're like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then like 30 years go by and nobody's ever actually checked. <laughs> those are the things that we, as followers of Jesus, believe start you on the path to following Jesus. Those are the things that we believe help you get to the next place with God, to, to go into the deeper waters of faith. Those are the five things we invite you into. Prayer, presence, gifts, service, and witness. Those five things. But nobody ever checks. <laughs> but, I can tell you this, I will check. Because <laughs> that's who I am. Right? I I want to follow Jesus with my whole life. I want, I want every room that I enter, every, every place that I exit, right? I was, I was, I was in, I, <laughs> we've done more ministry at the park across the street from my house than anywhere else in the last three months, right? Because I want every place I've been to to look and feel like Jesus has been there. And I, and, and, I, and I have to do that within our church as well. It's not just about being out in the community. It means that when we are here together, when we are worshiping together, and when we talk about the things that are going on in your life, I want and I'm going to encourage and expect that your life is going to look more like Jesus. Now, that's not always fun. That sometimes means hard conversations. Sometimes conversations even I don't want to have to have with you. Right? But... But at the end of the day, to be faithful to Jesus, we have to do and say and act and live and love like Jesus. So when I ask, what does it look like to follow Jesus? We have to be able to have an answer. 
but I cannot give you that answer, right? It's like Aaron, Aaron shared this morning with the children. I can preach all day long, and I will, not today, but I could preach all day long from the Gospels, and you, would, you could still go home and be like, that was a great message, and not look any different in your lives. But if I can walk alongside you and model it for you, and show you what Jesus expects, and show you what it looks like to follow Jesus, then maybe we'll get somewhere. But if I do it, and then there's like three other people who are like, well, I'm going to do that, and they do it, and then their families are like, well, well, that looks pretty good. I think I want to do that, right? This is why the church grew daily. Because there's something about a person full of Jesus that people can't resist. There's something about it that, that, that something within them calls to the deeper stuff. And they say, ah, I want whatever that is. So we have to stop offering people this, right? It's not just about eternal life and God loves you, right? There is so much more to Jesus and there's so, so much more. And so I want to invite you into that this week. That if you've only ever really taken that step, maybe even the second step, right? You, but you're, you're looking at it and you're like, do I know? Can I say beyond a shadow of a doubt that my life looks like Jesus? That somebody would be able to look and tell that I follow Jesus? If you can't say that with a, at least an 80% certainty this morning, it's time for a fresh start. It's time to take a next step. Because we're not called to just believe in Jesus. Jesus calls us to follow him. It means to tail him everywhere he goes. To, to act like him and be like him. Think like him. Love like him. You name it. It's supposed to look like Jesus. Right? Our families should look like Jesus. Our marriages should look like Jesus. Our church should look like Jesus. Our church should look like the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 and 47. And that all starts, right? That all starts with step one, right? Because the sacrifice of Jesus that we celebrate when we take communion together, that sacrifice is step one on our journey. Because none of the rest of that journey happens without this, right? None of it. Without what Jesus did on the cross for us, without the resurrection, there is nothing else. There is nothing to follow. This was the deciding factor. So this morning, as we take communion, and as we celebrate what Jesus has done for us, I want you to remember that this is step one. That being part of the body of Christ, this is step one. But that you are expected, as a follower of Jesus, as somebody who said, yes, that's my guy, right? This is step one. You're expected to go further. And I can promise you, I can promise you this. This may be step one, but we will go further than this. Right? You stick around here long enough. You hang out long enough. Okay? We're going deep. Because I'm tired. I'm tired of this. I can't do this anymore. I can't do that anymore. I want the box. Right? Give me the box that I can fit in. <laughs> Give me the box that will fit everything I'll ever find about God in it. Give me that box. So we're going to take communion, right? We're going to take step one. But I want to invite you, after we have taken communion, 
If you are ready for step two or three or seven or 800, I don't know how far you are in your faith walk with Jesus, but I do know that every single one of us has a next step. We have a next depth we need to get to with God this morning. So after you take step one, while we're singing, if you're ready to take step two, I want to pray with you this morning. Okay, so, so we'll take communion. We're going to sing together. And if you're ready to go to the next place, you're like, listen, I'm tired of just believing. I'm ready to follow. I'm ready to do what Jesus wants to do. I'm ready to say the things Jesus would say. If that's you this morning, I'm going to put my mask back on, and I'm just going to sit up here and wait for whoever of you needs to be prayed for. And I want to pray and lay hands on you so that we can take our next step to follow Jesus together. Let me pray. God, we are so thankful that you offer us a beautiful inroad to your life through communion, through the work of your son, Jesus. Lord, we pray, God, we ask that this bread and this juice would be like the body and blood of Jesus to remind us of his sacrifice, to draw us into his life in our life. God, to give up ourselves, to die to ourselves, and to live for Christ. So God, be with us in this moment. Remind us of the sacrifice. And God, help us as you draw us on to more. God, help us to feel your loving arms supporting us in the deep waters. Because we want to go deep, God. We're done with the little box. God, give us the fullness of who you are. Let us experience you afresh this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Now if you'll take, if you'll take your